News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Lior Samviru. And we are at it. It is Tuesday. It is time, 7.07 on your clock, and it is uh, time for you to call in, ask some questions. Employment Law Show, we are good to go. 613-521-TALK, 613-521-TALK. If it's COVID-19 related uh, and your employment, that is fine. If not, feel free to call regardless. Would love to talk to you. The email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And any time, a free resource for you to use, uh, 24-7, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. I'm sure we'll make mention of that several times throughout the evening. We'll also get to this. Is it better to quit than to continue working if it is, but these things apply? We'll get to those in just a bit. But the week that was, I know you got a couple things you want to cover, pal. How are you? Yeah, Ani, I'm doing great. Uh, always, always great to be here on uh, CFRA to talk about workplace rights and employment law and hopefully uh, help ease some of the tensions that I know a lot of people are feeling right now because you may be stressed out about your job. Maybe you've been off work for a while and you want to know what your rights are because, hey, guess what? You have rights. Or maybe you lost your job or are getting back to work, are worried about the future and what would happen. Well, if you have questions about your job, workplace rights, employment law, severance, layoffs, changes to your job, constructive dismissal, and more, Take advantage. We're here for the next little while to answer those questions, to inform you and educate you. Uh, and, and we want to make sure that you and everyone else listening knows your rights because you have quite extensive rights in Ontario when it comes to your employment law. Now, if you want to chat privately, not a problem as well. We'll give you that contact information uh, throughout the show. But for now, hey, give us a call right now. Take us for a spin. We'll, we'll help you out uh, absolutely. But as you said, John, week that was a couple of situations that I wanted to talk about that uh, you know are, are uh, things that came across my desk. The first one I actually want to talk about is about this pending date of September the fourth, and here's why. And, and those that are currently on a layoff, I know, are waiting for September fourth. The government of Ontario uh, this past spring implemented something called an infectious disease leave. Uh, that uh, continues until September the 4th. And after that, employers are supposed to be taking you back to work. So you're technically not on a layoff. You're on a infectious disease leave. So uh, what happened September 4th? A lot of people are expecting to be called back to work. So the employer is required to take you back to work if there is a job available. But here's what's actually going to happen. Uh, and, and you'll see this uh, for those of you are on, that are on a leave right now. When your September 4th comes across in just a few days, employers are going to be putting employees on a layoff then. And the problem with that is you could be put on a layoff for another 35 weeks, another eight months, meaning you may have already been off uh, since March. You could be off for another eight months until the spring of next year. That is not a good thing. It's not legal either. But you have options now and really two options. Option number one is if if that's what happens and your employer puts you on a leave, you can wait and see what happens next spring. And if they call you back or if they they don't call you back and you get your severance then, that's option number one. Not a good option because eight months is a long time. But the second option is you can now treat your employment as being terminated. You do not have to wait till next spring. You do not have to wait till next week. You can treat your employment as being terminated and get your full severance now so that you can find a job, move on, 
with the compensation that you're owed. So if you're hoping to go back to work, I hope, in fact, you will go back to work come September the 4th. But if your employer says, no, uh, we're putting you on a leave, we don't know, or on a layoff, we don't know when you'll be back, you may want to consider at that point to say, enough is enough. I'm going to treat that as a termination. I am going to get my severance and move on. Otherwise, you could be waiting a long time. And by the time it's all said and done, if you've been off since March, it could be over a year that you've been off work. Not a good thing. So reach out to me if you do want to get your severance. By the way, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to reach out, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But your questions here now on the radio show, as you know, six one three five two one talk. What else you got going on? I spoke with a lady uh, earlier this week. Uh, she had been recently called back to work. She'd been uh, off for work since uh, since March or April because of COVID and called back to work. Now, she was always a full-time employee, been with her employer for years. Uh, her employer said, well, we're only able to, uh, to call you back part-time, but for us to even do that, you need to sign this agreement saying that you agree to work part-time, that you're not objecting, and that you agree that it's not a constructive dismissal. She said, no, no, I'm not signing that. So their response is, okay, then you've resigned. Man, oh, man. She called me, and and clearly this company has done everything wrong. Number one is they actually don't have a right to reduce her from full-time to part-time. Even if it's COVID-related, if your employer wants to change the terms of your employment, change your job, your hours, your compensation, no, they don't have a right to do that. That's a constructive dismissal. So she didn't have to sign this agreement. Why would she give up her rights by signing this agreement? And because she didn't sign, that's not a resignation. She didn't resign. Her employer decided to terminate her employment because she was standing up for her rights. So that's a termination. She's owed severance. And I'm going to get her that severance. She's owed potentially as much as one year's pay, a year's pay. But I'm bringing this up here to remind you, number one, your employer, as I said, can change terms of employment. If they do, you can object. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal. You do not have to accept it. Uh, and, and if you do, be careful. Number one. Number two, if your employer wants you to sign, frankly, anything uh, while you're employed now or when they call you back to work, be very concerned. Anything you sign is likely there to take away entitlements that you would otherwise have. Your employer is not going to ask you to come back from COVID and then sign a document that gives you better rights than what you had before. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So if your employer wants you to sign something now, a new employment agreement, another document, it's probably something that takes away rights. I would be very, very concerned and very careful. If you want to know what it does, what it says with that document, send me a copy. Email it to me. Let me take a quick peek at it and let you know whether you should be concerned. If you do sign it, though, and you don't get something for it, consideration, you know, a bonus or something else, is it still legal or you don't want to risk it? You don't want to risk it. It depends on the document. You know, the advice that I always give individuals always is if you sign it, you have to be prepared to live with it. So, yes, in some situations, we may be able to get you out of something that you've signed, but that's not a good strategy. Uh, if you're asked to sign something, if you're if it's not a good document to sign, if you're not comfortable with it, yeah. the answer is do not sign as opposed to let's see what, what will happen later on if I can get out of it. Uh, so if you're not sure, if you want to know what it does, if you're not sure if it's a problem or if you should sign it, just send me a copy. I can take a look at it and literally in seconds tell you what it does, what it means, and if it's a problem. And again, if you want to do that, uh, send along a copy. By the way, it's simple. Just help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can send that along and have it uh, reviewed quickly, get some answers, and phone one eight five five eight 
800-821-5900. We'll get into more, including the uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca website. Details in that. But the phone lines here at the station are open for the remainder of this hour. It is a live show. It is a call-in show. Get the information. Get some answers. 613-521-TALK is the number. Employment Law Show. News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru, on News Talk 580 CFRA. We are back. It is 718, and thanks for hanging on and tuning in. You want to call in. This is a show designed for you to call in and ask your questions about employment law, be it for yourself or a friend or a colleague. Do so. Don't be bashful. That's why we are here and have the number for you, 613-521-TALK is the way to do that. You want to reach out through email. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. It is better to quit. No kidding. It is better to quit than to continue working if. These are very important bullet points you want to pull up here this evening, Lior. Yes, and generally the rule is that if your employer doesn't want you somewhere, then you never want to quit yourself unless it's voluntary. You're always better off to have your employer let you go so that you can get severance so you don't get into a big fight as to whether you should get that severance. But there are situations, which is what we're going to be going over over the next couple of segments, that it's better actually to quit than to continue working because if you continue working, you'd be giving up rights, you'd be giving up entitlements that you have, and you'd actually be preserving those rights if, in fact, you quit. So that's what we want to talk about. So if you find yourself in one of those situations that we're going to be listing now, you really have to think about, do I want to continue working or legally am I better off quitting? First one is this. It is better off to quit than to continue working if, well, this one's kind of a no-brainer, your salary is significantly reduced. So it's a no-brainer, but it may be a no-brainer for other reasons than what people think. So clearly, you, you don't want to have a pay uh, decrease, but and, and no one wants to continue working. But that's not why I say it's better legally to quit. So first of all, let's start with the idea that an employer does not have the legal right to reduce your pay. I said that right at the top of the show. So when whenever you are faced with a pay reduction, you don't have to accept that. So what, what does that mean? It means you can treat that as a constructive dismissal and leave with pay. Now, why would you want to do that? Why is that better? Well, there's a few reasons for that. First reason is if you take a pay cut, you may be thinking, well, it's probably only temporary. At some point, they'll bump me up to what I had before. It doesn't work that way. If you accept a pay cut, your employer then doesn't actually have to increase you back to the way it was. So you may then be stuck with this reduced pay forever. But it gets worse than that. If you accept a pay cut, you think, well, it's a one-off. I'll be the good soldier. I'll accept the pay cut. By accepting that pay cut, you give the employer the right to do it again. So the second and the third and the fifth time that they decrease your pay, you won't be able to say no. You won't be able to do anything about it because you accepted it the first time. And finally, if you accept a pay reduction and the next day they reduce your pay, uh, uh, sorry, a pay reduction the next day they let you go, you now get less severance. Yeah. Because it's calculated based on the reduced pay. For all those reasons, you may be better off to say, no, I'm not accepting. And if you force the pay reduction employer, I'm going to leave. I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal and get my severance. If you don't do that, you, you could be compromising your legal entitlements in a very big way. So to me, a pay decrease, red flag, 
probably best to leave and get severance. Again, the number six one three five two one. talk If you have any questions about this or any other topic that's uh, personal to you, bring it on. We'd love to talk to you. It's better to quit than to stick around if you're demoted, even if, even if your pay is unchanged. So we talked about pay decreases being no. uh, illegal, something an employer is not allowed to do. Well, the same thing with demotions. Uh, if your employer demotes you, even if the pay is the same, it's not something the employer is allowed to do. If you're now taking a lesser job, less prestigious, less important, maybe you were a manager. Now they, they stripped away the managerial responsibilities. You're no longer a manager. That is also a constructive dismissal. And, and in that situation, you may be better off to quit and to, to pursue a constructive dismissal than to continue working. And again, why? Well, as I said before, number one is because you've, if you accept this pay reduction and continue or the motion and continue working, well, that could be your new role forever, and you'd give the company the right to do it again. But also think about it. If you now take this demotion, what are you going to put in the future on a resume? You're going to have that lower position. That's going to make it very difficult for you in your career to get higher and better positions. So you really are compromising your rights and potentially compromising your career by accepting a demotion. It may be better off to say, no, not happening. I'm not doing this. I'm going to treat this as a constructive dismissal, get my full severance, and move on. These all sound kind of scary, but we're going to keep reading through these, and when you hear them in depth, they make a lot more sense. But if you have a question, 613-521-TALK. Better to quit than to continue working if you're being forced to sign, we talked about this off the top, a new contract of employment. Never a good plan, right? Never a good plan. And let's be very clear here that a contract of employment is always good and it's always better for the employer. For the employee, you don't want to have a contract of employment, at least not a written one. You're much better off working on a handshake or even something on the back of a napkin. Yes, I've said it. I'm a lawyer, and I'm telling you exactly that's the way it is. Written contract of employment, it benefits the employer by taking away rights that employees would otherwise have. You have these rights, but you can give them away in the contract of employment. So if you're now an employee and the employer says, oh, guess what, Uh, I just need you to sign this new employment agreement, There's a reason for it, and the reason is there's something in that new document that's better for the employer. Maybe it limits your future severance. Maybe it gives the company the right to change your job down the road or change your pay. Maybe it gives the company the right at some point to lay you off temporarily, all the things that the company otherwise could not do. So by you signing that, you are the definition of compromising your rights. So if you're put in that situation, you may be better off leaving, even be better off being let go so that you don't compromise your rights. Not a good thing. Uh, An employment agreement that you're asked to sign is something that should be taken seriously. If you don't have one or if you have one and now your employer wants another one, it's probably because they got the advice from their lawyer saying, oh, no, no, that agreement is no good for you, Mr. Employer. Have them sign a new employment Uh, agreement. If you want to know what it says, send me a copy. I'll take a look at it, and we can discuss it. Well, I mean, that's you, you mentioned it there just before uh, just before your last comment. And most people who are impl- on the employee side of the aisle are thinking, man, that's too scary. If I don't sign this, you said I might get fired. That's way too scary. I'm just going to sign it. I don't want to get fired. Well, let, let me paint you a picture here. So uh, let's say you sign the document and you get let go a month, two months, six months later. You find out that by signing that document, you gave up on – $100,000 of severance, which is very possible. So instead of 24 months severance, you're now getting eight weeks 
severance. So that's picture number one. Second picture is this. Uh, you, you don't sign the employment agreement, so employer says, okay, I'm going to let you go. Well, then they have to pay you your full severance, which could be as much as 24 months pay. What you don't want to do is allow the company to eliminate your future severance. And almost all new employment agreements have that language in it. Yeah. It tries to limit your future severance. That could cost you tens and tens of thousands of dollars. It probably will cost you that at some point. So if you're going to not work for your employer, you're better off not working having gotten your full severance. 613-521-TALK is the call-in number for the show, and email is help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address for you. This one you're going to have to uh, dig down a little deeper on because most people will not understand what you mean. That is better to quit than to continue working if you repeatedly get unfair performance feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason for that is this. If you're getting unfair performance feedback or you're getting performance warnings or even put on a performance improvement plan, what that means is that the company is trying to build a case to let you go for cause. So that is really steps along the way to let you go for cause. Now, if it's not legitimate, if it's unfair, then really to me that almost becomes a harassment. That almost becomes a situation where if they're mistreating you by saying you've done something wrong when you didn't, if, if they're being unfair, unrealistic, uh, uh, unsupportive, then that is a form of harassment which allows you to still leave the company with compensation because of the fact that, no, you shouldn't be mistreated, harassed, picked on, etc. But what happens if you don't do that? What happens if you say, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat, so I don't agree with it, but I'll continue working? Well, by doing that, it's as if you've accepted what the company is doing. And then down the road, when they say, well, we give you all these warnings, now we're going to let you go for cause, it's going to be very difficult to deal with it. And and if the company tries to let you go for cause, in other words, without severance, and there's all these warnings that you accepted that you didn't do anything about, well, it gets very difficult to say, no, no, now I'm saying that a year ago when you gave me all these warnings, they were not legitimate. So rather than being terminated for cause, you may be better off to leave now and get your severance at a minimum. What I want you to do is if you're getting uh, unfair performance reviews or unfair comments about your job, answer your employer. Tell your employer in writing why you disagree, why you don't think it's fair or what they're not taking into consideration. Don't just be silent. Silence is the same as acceptance. So don't be silent, but at a minimum, if you're being harassed in that way, you may be better off to quit, get your severance, and move on. We are talking about times it's better to quit than to continue working. These uh, points, more of them coming up here on the way. In the meantime, we'll take a short break, a time for you to maybe grab the phone and ask a question if you'd like, 613-521-TALK. By the way, the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, you can go there 24-7, absolutely free, anonymous, and there's a ton of information to be had there as well. And email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll return. Lots more Employment Law Show is on the way. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Lior Samfiru on News Talk 580 CFRA. It is 734. Welcome back to it. Got plenty of time still to call. Would love to you to uh, pick up a phone because you're going to have answers when we're off air, and by then it's going to take an email or otherwise. So make quick work of it. 613 613- 
five two one talk. That is the way to do it. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Again, six one three five two one talk. We are talking about times it is better to quit than you can continue working. This one as well. If you uh, if you're subject to repeated and provable harassment, talk to me. Well, you know, this, this ties into what I was saying before to you know negative performance reviews, etc. You don't have to be, and you have a right not to be a victim of harassment. Your employer not only should not be harassing you, they should take an active or or proactive uh, approach to protecting you from harassment. So your employer should be the one ensuring that you're treated properly. If you bring up issues to your employer, that you're being mistreated, harassed, bullied, etc., your employer has to take it seriously and do anything necessary to fix that problem. But if you are being harassed, if you are being mistreated, if you can't get it resolved, either because your employer will drop the ball or because, or because there really isn't anyone to talk to, maybe it's the owner of the company that's mistreating you, who are you going to talk to then, right? If that's your situation, then yeah, you are better off to, uh, to leave. Number one, there's the, the health issue. Uh, because if you continue and you stay on, you may end up on a disability leave. Your health is going to be impacted. John, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. People go on a stress leave. Uh, people end up suffering from depression. I've even seen people be off for, for a, a couple of years because their condition got so bad just because they were bullied and, and uh, harassed in the workplace. So that's number one. That's kind of the, the medical reason if you will, not that I'm a doctor, but as to why you would want to leave and not just subject yourself to continued harassment. But from a legal standpoint, you are better off to just leave and get your severance. If you stay and continue suffering from harassment, it's going to make it very difficult to say at some point, look how bad it was, because you're almost going to be assumed that if you continued working and you stayed there, it wasn't that bad or it really didn't even happen. So you actually lose some credibility, believe it or not, by staying in a poison work environment. So if you are in that poison work environment, you are better off to say, you employer have dropped the ball. You've allowed me to be harassed and, and to, to be put in this situation. I'm going to leave. I'm going to treat that as a termination and get severance. That could also, depending on the type of harassment, that could be a human rights issue as well. You may be entitled to, to human rights damages. But definitely, if you're being harassed and bullied, probably the last thing you want to do is to just continue working and hope that it gets better. It doesn't. Tell your employer about it. Give your employer the, the uh, opportunity to fix that problem. But if your employer doesn't, yeah, you are better off to quit than to continue working. Give me a call in that situation. I'll help you do it the right way. Does the way you navigate that change if the person or the employer you're supposed to report to is the one giving doing harassing? Maybe your immediate boss. There's no one above them. Yeah, you know, certainly in a, in a small workplace or a small yeah. business, uh, you know, there's no HR. There's no you know 15 layers of management with a small company. Maybe you and the owner. And if the owner is the one harassing and bullying you, well, who are you going to complain to, right? So at that point, you're not expected to to try to fix the problem with your employer. Make sure there's a record of what's happened. Make sure that you can show how you're being mistreated. At that point, you are going to be better off to leave. Let's get your compensation. Let's get your severance. Again, potentially even a human rights issue here. And let's uh, save your health while allowing you to move on to a better and, and uh, job where you, you won't be harassed. 
Contacting Lior, member of his team, uh, when we're not doing the show on air, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. But you still got time to call here at this uh, live show six one three five two one. Talk at seven thirty eight. We'll keep going here. It's better to quit than continue working. If you've not, now, this one's interesting. You've not been paid a significant amount owing, such as a bonus, so you quit. Yeah, you you are absolutely better off. So if your employer owes you a bonus, uh, and let's say you usually get a bonus uh, in January, I don't know, $20,000, whatever it is, and this year they say, well, we're not going to pay you that bonus. Well, wait a second. If you regularly get a bonus, it becomes a term of employment. So your employer can't decide, well, now we've decided it's discretionary. If you regularly get it, they have to pay it. So if they don't pay it uh, and you continue working, well, you've agreed at that point that it's not owing. You've agreed that they don't have to pay it. And then next year when they don't pay it, you won't be able to do anything about it. So you may actually be saying goodbye to this bonus forever. That's what happens when you accept something that your employer does. Even if that, that thing that the employer did is not something they're allowed to do, by you accepting it, you make it right. You make it legal, even though it was illegal to begin with. So that's a problem. So the way to not do that is to leave and to treat that as a termination, to treat that as a constructive dismissal. And by the way, if if we are talking about a bonus, not only would you get severance if we establish constructive dismissal, you would also get that unpaid bonus. So very important to remember that don't give or, or don't create new terms of employment that are not favorable to you. And that's what happens when you continue working despite the company doing something wrong. You know, we've uh, worked our way through quite a lengthy list of these things. Now, if someone is is uh, familiar with one of these, is there something they should do before they uh, they resign, pull the plug? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want anyone to say, well, I heard Leo on the radio say to resign, <laughs> so here's my resignation letter, uh, goodbye. Yeah. No. Obviously, we have to be smart about it. It's not every situation that you're better off resigning, and even if we are going to resign, we probably want to do it in a certain way. We want to, you know, in our resignation letter, say a few things. So the best advice I'm going to give you, probably the most important advice is, if you do find yourself in one of those situations and you think it is better to quit, give me a call. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your specific situation. I can tell you, yes, you should be quit. You should be quitting. Here's how we're going to do it. Make sure that we do it the right way so that we can then go and get you the proper compensation that you're owed. So it starts with giving me a quick call. And that number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the way you want to call in uh, when we're not on the air. Let Lior take care of you. Get the uh, get the ball rolling. Before I switch gears, here want to get to uh, want to get to a quick email. Kyle says, uh, "Hi, Lior. I've uh, I have my employer a doctor's note that said I couldn't work for a month. They fired me because they didn't believe the doctor. Can they even do that?" You know, I, I can't tell you, John, how many times I've seen that. In fact, very recently, within the last few days, even where the employer says, well, we don't believe your doctor or we don't think the doctor is right, uh, so we're not going to accept the doctor's note. But wait a second. It's not up to you. The employer doesn't get to decide if the doctor's note is right. They don't get to decide if the doctor's view and opinions are correct. That is up to the doctor. And frankly, the only thing the employer can do is accept what the doctor is saying. So if the employee's doctor says this employee cannot work now for medical reasons, that's it. Full stop. The employer has no choice in that point. Now, they may ask for clarification, you know, how long is he going to be off or is there something that he can do with accommodation? That's legitimate. 
but your employer cannot say that. So but for this particular email that we've just gotten, no, let me deal with your employer. Let me remind them very nicely and gently of their legal obligations because they have to back off. They have to allow you, if you need to be off for a month, to allow you to be off for a month, even if it's for a year and a month. They have to give you that time off. They can't question your doctor. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. If you want to gain any time, go to employmentlawyer.ca. You'll be able to listen to past shows and links to our TV show as well. And on a recent TV show, we talked about the fact that people calling themselves independent contractors when they are really employees. So let's discuss what an individual should do to really be an independent contractor. Lay it out for me. Uh, number one, have written agreements setting out terms, right? Right. So if you're going to be uh, an independent contractor, you know, this is the opposite of what I said before. As an employee, you don't want to have an, an employment right. agreement. The handshake deal is your friend. Well, not if you're an independent contractor. If you're an independent contractor, you want to have a contract in place that makes it clear, number one, you're an independent contractor, but also makes you look like one. So having the contract terms that say that you don't work exclusively for the company, that makes it clear that you're going to be paying for your own expenses, that you can set your own hours. It has to be there and it has to be in writing, or at least terms that give you the type of flexibility that an employee wouldn't have. So having an employment agreement, or sorry, a contract, an agreement with a company you work for is important if you are actually going to be an independent contractor. As well, fixed duration agreement as subject to renewal, right? All very important stuff. Yeah. And an employee is someone that usually works indefinitely. If you're going to be an independent contractor, you don't want to sign an agreement that simply says you're going to work for us until we decide to, to let you go. You want to have either a fixed term agreement or a, an agreement for a specific project. I'm going to work to complete this project or I'm going to work for you for three months. You want to have a fixed term. Now, you can certainly have opportunities to renew that agreement, but to simply say we're going to hire you indefinitely, that makes you look like an employee. That means you're going to be misclassified. That could cause all kinds of problems with CRA. So you want to have that fixed term for a specific time or for a specific project in order for you to look more like an independent contractor. We'll take a short break, guys, and get back to it. We'll talk uh, the difference or what you need to prove you're actually a real independent contractor. More of those talking points on the way. we we'll get to a couple of emails if we got time. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. But to call in with the last few minutes of the show, do so. 613-521-TALK. Employment Law Show. News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru, on News Talk 580 CFRA. We are back. It is uh, 7.48 and uh, still a few minutes to go here. You want to call in, ask a question. It's not too late. You got time. 613-521-TALK. In the meantime, talking about what it means to be an independent contractor when they are really employees. What an individual should do to really be an independent contractor. Tons of gray area here with people's uh, and the way they think about it and confusion. Next one is flexible work hours. That's a big one. Keep in mind, John, that what we're trying to do here is talking to talk about the differences between uh, an employer or an independent contractor. So the, the key definition or the key difference, I should say, is that an independent contractor has a lot more flexibility than an employee. An employee generally has to come in a certain time. They leave at a certain time. Yep. They have to do the job as the boss tells them. So there's not as much flexibility. You, you're essentially doing what your employer asks you to do, and that's fine. 
An independent contractor is very different, okay? Uh, an independent contractor gets to decide or, or, or at least say when they're available, when they can come into work. They make their own hours, uh, and they have that flexibility, all right? They have that flexibility, so that's key. Remember, if you're going to uh, call a, a plumber to your house to fix a right. problem, that plumber has flexibility. They'll tell you, listen, I can come Monday uh, before 10 a.m. or Tuesday after 2 p.m., Right? right, they'll come in. It's up to them how long they, they it's going to be to do the job. Maybe it takes yep. them ten minutes or an hour and a half. They're not your employee. You've hired an independent contractor. Well, that's what an independent contractor is. So if you don't have that flexibility, guess what? You are an employee, regardless of what you call yourself. And the key I want everyone to understand is it really doesn't matter what you call yourself or what someone calls you. You may sign a piece of paper that says. I'm an independent contractor, and the company you work for agrees. You're an independent contractor. No, it still doesn't matter because the law is the only one that can make that decision for you, and you can't you know, classify yourself or call yourself something that you're not in the eyes of the law. But one of the ways to make you an independent contractor is to have that flexibility that an employee would not have. And that kind of dovetails into the next point. That is not full-time unless, unless for a very short period of time, right? Right. So an independent contractor really doesn't work full-time hours. If you work full-time hours, you're an employee. Going back to my plumber example, can you imagine that you had a plumber at your house uh, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 for a while? Well, at <laughs> some point, you're like, wait a second, this plumber just works for this person. So they're their employee. Now, if you have a major plumbing issue and that plumber has to come, you know, work eight hours a day for a week to get that fixed, that's okay. So right. it's for a limited time. Gotcha. But if you're working more than, you know, a couple of months, full-time, regular hours for a company, guess what? You are an employee of that company easily doesn't matter what you call yourself or what the company calls you you are an employee which means you have all kinds of employment law rights but also if you're telling cra that you're not an employee when you really are there could be problems with, uh, there as well i want to bounce over take a quick call when we got a few minutes to go here and that would be uh, johnny thanks for uh, hanging on the line pal how are you tonight hi hi good night good evening sir how are you so, uh, I, I have just one question i, I work for a company and I, I get harassed from the manager, harassed and bullied uh, and discriminated from the manager. So what happened? Uh, my doctor, he gave me stress leave and the treatment plan to stay at home for a couple of months. So I, I, I give this, uh, this note from my doctor to the employer. And the employer, after uh, he refused, they refused to pay me the, the stress leave. Now, do you have a disability plan at work, short-term disability or long-term disability? Yes, we have, we have, we have STDP, short-term disability, yes. So did you apply for that? I applied for that, and it told me you were denied. I see. Okay. So it's not the employer that's required uh, to pay you. It's, it's the short-term disability. It's the insurance company. And that's if right. you have a doctor that says you cannot work for health reasons, they should not be denying you. Now, the, the reality is that this is a common thing. Impl uh, insurance companies often try to deny when they should be paying, but oftentimes all you need is to give them a bit of a, a kick in the pants, so to speak. So what I, I recommend you do is this. I want you to off-air to reach out to me. We have a whole team at my office. 
just dealing with these issues, with insurance companies and with short-term disability to make sure that, that they help you get the disability that you're owed. If your doctor says you cannot work, that should be it. Now, the other thing that you, you may want to consider, if you have been bullied and harassed, maybe, maybe it's time to say, you know what, employer, forget it. I'm going to get my severance from you. I'm not coming back to work. I shouldn't have to be treated this way. Uh, if you said discrimination, there's also human rights issues here. So there's a number of things for us to uh, to discuss, Johnny. So I think you should give me a call. We'll help you get your disability, but potentially also get you additional compensation from your employer. Okay. Thank you, sir, for your help. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate that. Here's the number to reach out afterwards, one 855 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that's where we're going to go here with the last couple of minutes of the show, some email. Again, using that address, George says, my employer has cut my hours by a whopping 30%. What do I do? Yeah, and 30% is whopping. Uh, yeah, unless, of course... He's still getting paid the same, but I expect he, he wouldn't be so concerned if he was getting paid for, for working less. So if he's getting paid uh, 30% less than what he was before, yeah, that's a constructive dismissal any day of the week. So the first thing I would do is talk to the employer. Say, employer, not agreeing to this. I, I, uh, our agreement is that I make this amount of money. That's how I, I've always uh, been here for, and that's what my terms have always been. So no, I need you to bump me up to what I was making before. If the employer does, then there's no problem. If the employer doesn't, the employer says, sorry, not going to happen, then at that point he can either accept this or he can treat that as a termination, constructive dismissal. And for all the reasons I've mentioned earlier, you're better off to treat that as a termination. You don't want to accept it and then give the company the right to do it again, which is what happens if you accept it. So let's treat that as a termination. Let's get you your severance. But hey, talk to your employer first. Maybe you can agree with the employer to, to not do this. If you can't, reach out to me and I'll help you. Squeeze in one more before we wrap this one from the uh, Don't Mess With Mama file. Daniela says, I was let go a month after I told my employer that I was pregnant. They said, oh, it's for restructuring. What do I do? Well, you know, maybe it's something that uh, the company is trying to use COVID as an excuse, for example. I've seen that happen right. often. Companies doing things that they're not supposed to and saying, well, no, really it's, it's COVID related or maybe COVID is causing us to do a restructuring. Now, if the reason she was let go truly was a, a legitimate restructuring, it had nothing at all to do with her pregnancy, it had nothing to do with the fact that she's going to be taking a maternity leave, then fine. At that point, it's just an issue of severance, okay? That's okay. But if that's not what happened, if they are letting her go because they don't want to give her time off or because they think she's not going to be productive or what have you, then that is not only uh, illegal, it's probably one of the most illegal things an employer can do. It's a human rights violation. It's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It's wrong and it's illegal. Now, you may not know the exact reason, so ask yourself a few questions. Were you the only person let go or was were a bunch of people let go? Uh, if you were the only one, it kind of makes it look like it's because of your pregnancy. Uh, if there are a bunch of people, well then, okay, maybe it looks more legitimate. Uh, was there really a restructuring? Is the company suffering financially? Uh, it has COVID impacted them in, in, in a big way. So in other words, you're looking for potentially legitimate reasons to try to figure out whether the decision had something to do with the pregnancy. If you're not sure, let's talk about it. Either way, you are, you are owed severance, and in most cases, over 90% of cases, in fact, 
when you're let go, you're offered a lot less than what you are legally owed. And for everyone out there, if you let go, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is your friend. Easy to use, anonymous, free. You can find out how much severance you're owed in, in seconds. So take advantage of that, especially these days, especially, by the way, after September 4th, when unfortunately a lot of people that are currently on a layoff or on a, on a leave will be let go. You need to know what you're owed, and, and you just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, grab your smartphone, grab it right now, and take a look. You'll find out in seconds what you're owed, and now you're going to be prepared. That will be a wrap for another night. You want to reach out by phone, that's another option, one 821 The email address we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca and simply employmentlawyer.ca, the website for past radio shows and links to our television show as well. Catch you next time on the Employment Law Show on News Talk 580 CFRA.